I know there must be some people out there who enjoy packing, but I'm not one of them. Um, to go places, you need to pack, um, this usually. Uh, but <laughs> but it's a, it can be a tricky thing depending on where you're going, depending on what kind of things you're going to be go doing. If you're going to be traveling for a few days, thinking about what, what kind of stuff you need to, to put. Nowadays, it's a lot, you know, airplane travel is trickier because you have to usually pay for the baggage fees and it's kind of long, so can I get everything in a carry-on? What do I really need to take? I've started, when I, I, I go for work trips, I have this really small backpack that's about like three gallons of space, it's like very, very little. And I feel like I did a week in LA out of that backpack. <laughs> <laughs> and, it was, and it was like, I wanted to practice this, this philosophy of woefully underpacking. <laughs> and then, because it's like, I would much rather need something extra than have too much that I have to carry back and forth. When I first started hiking, I had, I think my first backpack was like 55 pounds. I had a guitar, I had four books. <laughs> I, I sent a lot back. I had a base weight of 12 pounds by the time I got into shape. And one of those things, but you never like, it's kind of tricky to know, you know, if you didn't have like a departure date, you might be just packing forever. <laughs> like you get all this, especially when you have kids. It's like then it's like, oh my gosh, what are all this stuff? How many changes of clothes do I need to take? And it's always like one more. You always need one more change of clothes because <laughs> something is going to happen. When our kids were smaller, like how many diapers do you need to take? And then we had this one incident when we were traveling with Dominic when he was small, and we were traveling back from Hungary visiting Alina's father, and we were in the airport in Amsterdam. And um, we ran out of diapers, and, and, and that was it. And then we were done. It's like there's no more. And international airports don't have like a CVS that you can just go to and pick up an extra a diaper. Um, and there's not a lot of families that travel with small children internationally. There's just not a lot of a lot of them. And so Alina and I were like trading off, wandering around the airport looking for any parent. Desperate, hoping they spoke a language that we spoke. So we could just, just be in. Um, eventually, we found an extra one. We found a pair of. We also needed an extra pair of shorts. And so, because of the reason why we ran out of diapers. <laughs> so, and um, there was a, a pair of IX Amsterdam, which is this big soccer team in Amsterdam, shorts for, I think it was 40 euros. Yeah. And it was like, take, take all the money. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter, we, will, we need those shorts, we need to get home. It's, you, know, you know, we thought we had enough when we were setting out. We thought we were ready for that. We were going on our way back. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to know exactly what you need. When you set out on a journey, you kind of look at experience, you think about different things to know, but it can, it can be tricky to know if it's exactly what you need. My friends, we are continuing our Lenten series today on the lost art of finding our way, of trying through the season of Lent, of seeing that we need, we need, it's a journey to go to God. The life of faith is a journey and we need tools and, and skills and habits for this journey and some habits that have been forgotten. And so part of the season of Lent is a season of self-examination to looking into ourselves to see where we are in our faith, where we are in our life. What are we doing and what do we need? Today we're looking at, at setting out on the journey. We have these, these two scriptures. We have the, the passage from, from Genesis with Abram and Sarah setting out on a journey by day. 
And then we have Nicodemus going on a journey by night. Setting out on a journey by night. Have you ever left anywhere by night? Have you ever snuck out of your room (laughs) by night? There's usually a reason for it. There's a reason why you you would sneak out of your room. Oftentimes it's because you don't want to tell someone where you're going. You don't want to be like, well, I'm just going to go to this party that you told me not to go to, and so I'm just going to tell you now before I go. Like, that's not how rational people think. So most rational people are like, well, I still want to go, so what if I just don't tell them? And I go, and I go by night. To leave by night, to travel by night, is, is in a way to avoid confrontation that you don't want to have the confrontation, you think something is going to happen. Nicodemus left by night. He left by night. This passage has a lot, this passage from, first from John, the Gospel of John, there's a lot going on, including at the end of it, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yet it begins with Nicodemus, a Pharisee, leaving by night. As a Pharisee, Nicodemus studied a lot. He read a lot. He spent a lot of time in Torah. He spent a lot of time debating and talking to others. He had an intricate network of conversation, of study. He left by night to go talk to this man, Jesus. He left by night and said, Rabbi, teacher, I know that you are a teacher who comes from God, for no one could do these things that you do unless God was with them. Nicodemus believed that Jesus was important, and yet he left by night. How do we know when is the right time to leave? How do we know what is the right direction to even go? So one of the cool things about a lot of Bibles nowadays is they have these maps that are pretty awesome. Um, so I'll show, I, d- I didn't get it on the overhead. There's a map, you can see this map, there's a map. Everybody, see, you've all seen a map before in your life. So just imagine this is any map in your life, or you can look in your phone and think about the map. What's really weird about maps is if you go about 500 years before, most maps that were made in the West were like this. The top was east. East was at the top. Um, if you, the word orient, to orient your map. Orient is a word that means east. The point of it was for Christians to know where Jerusalem was. And so that was the most important thing in their life, was to know where Jerusalem was, because that is where Jesus is going to rise again. And so you find Jerusalem. But these maps were twisted in a way that, that it's hard for us to read. Before you set out, you need to know which direction you're going. And if you think, if you just assume the map is going to be like other maps you've seen, you may be going the wrong way. The the North Star, Polaris, it's a cool star. It's named the North Star. Obviously, it has something to do with north, right? That's that's pretty awesome. Um, 500 years ago, Polaris was two degrees off of true north, which is pretty darn accurate. Now Polaris is 20 degrees off of true north. It's, it's moved in the last 500 years. Isn't that, isn't that strange? That north is no longer actually north. Um, we have to know which direction we're going when we set out. 
If you've ever done any orienteering classes, hopefully you've heard about magnetic north and the difference between magnetic north and true north. And that's another one that usually when you're using a compass, you just need kind of a rough direction. So it doesn't matter that you don't have an exact point of reference. But magnetic north is not true north, but it's also slightly different wherever you are on the Earth. Because the, a lot of the magnetism is not necessarily just in the top of the world, but in the ground, in the, in the magnetic uh, molten magma, magma, floating around <laughs> underneath us in the waves of that. You have to know where you are to know where you're going. You have to know what you're looking at before you set out. It can be challenging. We make a lot of assumptions in our lives. We couldn't exist without assumptions. We make the assumption that when we wake up, the day is going to come, that that the church is going to happen, that there's going to be food available for us. So a lot of assumptions we should make, but still, oftentimes, we need to check. Are we going the right way? Is this the right time to set out? Have you ever set out on a journey like Nicodemus, though? Knowing that it may turn your world upside down. That's why Nicodemus left at night. I think that that is the point, is that he knew this Jesus, this rabbi from Nazareth, could change everything. That I've spent my life studying Torah. I've spent my life living a certain way, but I think this man is from God. I think this man is living out Torah now. But if I go, that means I may have to change my life. That means things are going to be different. We may hesitate to go on the journey. We may hesitate to set out. And yet still, there is a restlessness in our hearts. But St. Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God. That is why we long for something new. That is why we long. We must set out from where we are. We can't set out from where we're not. We can't look. It's like when you look at your maps and they're just trying to get you the directions and you're departing from here and you're going to there. You have to depart from where you are. If you get directions, if you're trying to go to Dallas but you get directions from Waco, that's not going to help you get to Waco. If you're trying to go somewhere, you need to start from where you are. And that means taking a cold, hard look at where you are. Where are you in your faith? Where are you in your life? What is going on? What do you care about? What is the direction your life is going? Is your map, does your map have north at the top or east? How are you keeping yourself ready? How are you keeping yourself healthy? How are you making sure you have enough to get to the end of your journey? You have to know where you are. And so, so Nicodemus comes by night and he asks Jesus these, these direct questions that I think anybody who's ever encountered a Christian has thought about these questions. The first question, Jesus, you seem kind of cool. That's basically the first question. <laughs> well, awesome stuff, Jesus. That's really cool. And then he says, Jesus answers, I know it's cool. That's what very truly in Greek means. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born of above, from above. And so then Jesus says this thing that is kind of confusing. And Nicodemus is like, 
wow, that's, that's really confusing, Jesus. Um, how can someone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? See, it's easy to kind of turn Nicodemus into this laugh line, but it's really great that he's actually taking Jesus seriously. And he's asking a question that probably a lot of us have thought of in our life. What does that mean to be born a second time, to be born again, a new birth? Do you go into your mom's belly? No, that's, that doesn't work. And Jesus answers very truly. Again, like, I know I'm cool. I tell you. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished when I say you must be born from above. Are you ready for a new birth? Now, now, the language and the discourse of born again has a certain resonance in this country. Some of it is very negative, some positive. We all come to it from a different place. And so the issue is not that, that discourse or the assumptions or kind of like images of what that means. But I, I want to dig down to that Nicodemus has a very material, literal view of this. He asks about going to the mother's womb. And so I think we should understand Jesus in this very visceral way. That being born again is being an infant again, being a child again, being, being in need again, being directionless again, being crying again, being hungry again. Are you willing to go to a place of desperation if you know on the other side of that place is the glory of God, is what you were created for? Are you willing to take a journey that may take you to a place of weakness because you know that God is there for you and God is with you in that time and God will care for you in that time? Augustine also described one of the amazing things about Jesus is that the word of God, the, John, the Gospel of John begins that Jesus is the word of God, comes into human flesh to a, a baby who cannot say words. And the power that the word of God gave up the speech of God in order to be in the flesh with us and offer us life. And so often that journey of faith is going through a phase where we don't have the words to describe what is going on in our life that I cannot describe what is happening to me. It's like later in John, when the blind man is healed by Jesus, and he's confronted by the Pharisees, and the Pharisees come to him, and they say, who did this to you? What is going on? And he says, the Pharisees say, was it a sinner? Was it this Jesus guy? And the, the blind man says, I don't know if he was a sinner, but I was blind, and now I see. It's going through this phase where you can't explain all the things going on. Are you willing to take that step on that journey and not have total control? Relinquish total control because you know God is with you, because you know the love of God is with you, because you know the fruit of God's love is going to be there at the other side. Abram set out by day. The story of Abram, this is an amazing step of faith. In Genesis 12, it is the, the story of creation kind of ends here, and the story of the covenant begins. In Genesis 12, it's this great hinge in all of human history, this hinge where Abraham, Abram says yes to God. He was 75 years old when he said yes to God. He was a successful man in any view of the world. 
He was, he was wealthy. He was a landowner. The only thing he lacked was, was, a fan, was children. But he still loved God and saw that. And when God came to him, he was able to give that up to move to a new land. He left by day. Some people, when they're offered life with God, are able to, to leave by day, to set out by day. Others must set out by night, like Nicodemus. And whether you set out by day or by night, God's love is there for you. But still, one of, one of the challenges and one of the purposes of the season of Lent is when you are new in faith, when you are re- rejuvenated in your faith, how can you maintain it? How can you maintain your direction? What kind of compass does God give us to make sure we're still going the direction we started? The compass is, is the means of grace, is the practices of the Christian faith, is, is praying together, is, is reading the scriptures together, is, is offering our time and service to our neighbors, is fasting. Fasting is a tool to make sure we're going in the right direction. Not fasting as a tool of self-actualization or like, you know, that you need for your body, you need to do this kind of thing, but fasting as a way to say to God, I offer this to you. I don't need this. To make sure you're going in the right direction. God welcomes you whether you leave by day or by night. You are loved. You are forgiven. There is a place for you at the table. And I think it is so powerful and so important that this, this famous verse, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, the overflowing nature of God's love to all humanity begins, this chapter begins with Nicodemus leaving by night. And God's love comes into the world through people setting out by night to come see Jesus. And maybe that might be you or me one of these days that our journey is the way that God offers love to the world. That your life, that you matter so much to God that God includes you in offering love to this world. That you are not separate. You are not over here doing your own thing. God wants to include you in the center of changing this world. And it doesn't begin by running for president or founding a Silicon Valley business. It begins by saying, your prayers. It begins by reading the scriptures. It begins by taking a step in the day or the night towards the one God sent to you. That you are loved, you are forgiven, and new life is offered this day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.